Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here in the guest segment of the Common Sense Show, and we're really glad to be with you. And we must keep a watchful eye on the economy because it is volatile. Now, volatile doesn't necessarily mean catastrophic. It means it can change on a moment's notice. And uh, we have to really be alert to that so we can adjust what we're doing on a moment's notice. We're kind of like the Minutemen of the economy here, but things are adapting. And we need to do another show on the economy. Uh, <laughs> Trump went before CPAC and he said, do you miss me yet? And based on the first 30 days of Biden and his insane economic policies, the answer would be an unequivocal yes. So we've invited Bob Kudlow back on to talk about the current trends, very recent trends in the economy, and more importantly, what we need to be watching out for and what we should be doing. Bob, thanks for joining us. Always appreciate having you. Yeah, Dave, uh, thanks for having me. I know we, we can almost do this show daily anymore the way things are moving. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like we need a scoreboard <laughs> to keep up with what's going because things are going so so quickly. You know, we don't have hyperinflation, but I almost feel like my grandparents when they told me they were in, they were in uh, pre real serious Nazi Germany. It was serious the whole time, but pre, and then they got out. They told me that the inflation was so bad that in their store, they had like a hardware store, a hardware electronics store, that they would have to close their doors at noon to just adjust the prices because the hyperinflation was so rampant. Now, we're not seeing that, but we're seeing the, the same kind of volatility, aren't we, with, with just rapid change here and there? Yes. Yeah, so what's happening now is that we're, we're literally at what end stages of what I would call Goldilocks. You know, remember they, the, the the Fed has enormous tools available to them in terms of trying to to keep the um, the economy and the cost of money kind of within a a you know an expressway you know bouncing along the uh, the guardrails. But they uh, it's getting increasingly you know we started on a ten lane highway and now we're down to a a two way highway and and it's getting the tighter and tighter, narrower and narrower is the path. And at some point in the very, very near future, I'm like Tom talking 2021 kind of future, is that the, the decisions are going to need to be made by the Federal Reserve. Do they support the stock market or do they support the bond market? And that has implications on the strength of the uh, of the U.S. dollar. And so. As it pertains to Americans, you know, depending on where you sit, you know, is, is going to be where you stand on this. You're talking that, um, hold on a second, I apologize, my phone just went. Um, where you sit is where you stand is that uh, if you have a lot of assets and you, you don't have any debt, then you're going to want them to support the stock market and keep the bond market in check and, you know, as much check as you can. Uh, or you, or you're going to want them to like the the younger generation doesn't have any assets, and and they don't care about some deflation coming in, but the Fed's going to have to make a decision where they want to sit on this, and I think they're gonna they're gonna opt towards saving the bond market because that way the progressives can can continue to try to spend 
and that will affect the dollar versus, and they don't care about the stock market. Okay. So what long story short is what we're going to see coming out of this is the yield curve control. I'm sure you've talked about that before mm -hmm. where they're just not going to let the 10 year go up over a certain height or the two year. And they're going to just lock in what people have to pay to borrow. And then that means the dollar is going to start falling aggressively. And, and then that's going to be good for certain assets. It's going to be bad for living. And so that's, that's my view what's going to happen. And I'm talking about very soon. I think once the stimulus, not this thing that they're doing now, but the infrastructure thing that they're going to do later is I think that's going to be the, uh, the time when, when that's going to have to happen because they're going to be trying to absorb $6 trillion in new spending and the economy obviously can't absorb that. Yeah, it's kind of like they're looking at a new deal of sorts, but unlike the 1930s, Roosevelt wasn't putting the new deal on top of just tremendous debt. Um, he was putting the new deal on top of a falling economy. And now we have this tremendous debt. Is that the game changer why this uh, public infrastructure approach will not work like, like it stalled a... Uh, starvation, fascism, and so forth in the 30s? Yeah, it, it, it just can't work because there's no free lunch. And yeah. and, and uh, the pardon the pun, food prices are going to be the thing that's going to stop it because, you know, you could tolerate a lot of things you can't tolerate not eating. And, and the Americans are not used to not being able to get protein. And, and they're going to they're gonna make it very, very, very expensive to eat protein, and uh, and and you know the American public's not going to stand for it because we can produce everything we need to produce. That that all that stuff is going to be going overseas, you know, and and I think it'll be a political nightmare, and and so that's what they're faced with: high food and high oil. That's core inflation. That's visible. That's in people's pockets, and I think it's going to. Um, Gonna, it's going to wreak havoc politically, and it, I, I think it kills it. The progressive movement cannot survive without the bribery of free money. So the New Green Deal will die a natural death. Yep. And well, we would like to say an unnatural death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, but I mean, in terms of just market demand and yeah, 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 supply yeah, and all that, that yep. just the normal course of what's coming based on what we're doing, the New Green Deal can't be sustained. There's zero support for the Green New Deal. I should say this. People love the idea of the utopia. People do not support paying for it. It's like anything else. You know, uh, do you want the murder rate to go to zero? Yes. Are you willing to have a society that will require that to happen? No. You know, so um, I think that's the same thing with the Green New Deal. When people find out, you know, what, what, adverse effect on their lifestyle not going to fly and then now with all the spending and and you know them being wrong on global warming you know you have food prices look today i'm watching the chart right now we are in mos and we've been in and out of ipi we're in and out of icl those are the phosphorus uh fertilizer companies they're just breaking out all over the place days and you have to own these names to be able to stay ahead of food inflation and the reason why these names are going up is because the farmers have to dump extra fertilizer on their fields to be able to grow the crops fast enough to get ahead of the, the shortening of the, uh, of the uh, growing seasons. 
And another thing really interesting is if you look at down in South America, see what's, what's different today than what happened during the grand solar minimum in the 1500s um, is that we have better transportation. You know, we have the ability to move food to where it's needed around the world. And so there's been this beautiful yin-yang is North America, South America. Well, South America, the, it, it's horrendous what's happening with the, the harvest down there. And the Chinese are behind, and they're buying whatever they can buy. And then if North America and Europe have any kind of less than stellar growing, it's a problem. And Russia already, has already uh, curtailed exporting. So, you know, we're at a, we're at a really a crossroad here with, uh, with food prices. And, and because it's basically because of the new uh, grand solar minimum that's coming, you know, Little Ice Age is what I referred to 1500. And it's going to shorten the growing seasons, and so it's going to be, it's going to be problematic around the world. And countries, they're not going to, they're not going to be, they're not going to want to export their food if they know there's going to be famines around the world, you know, because then their people won't tolerate it. And and then I then I think uh, that just that just kiboshes the whole plan. And that's what people have to watch out for. Fertilizer stocks are telling us they're screaming at us to be careful. Wow, that's kind of like. Uh... The mange coming early on a cow, and you know winter's going to be early. That's, that's I see it like an early warning sign. Yep, you know the geese are flying south in August. All right. Yeah. Okay. I like that analogy even better. But it just, you, and the other thing that I'm wondering too, is Biden, in my from my point of view, has been a one man wrecking crew for energy, and it only started with the Keystone Pipeline, and then the reverberations from that and other policies. In terms of having to have cheap energy to get your food to market in America, isn't there going to be a pushback against the Biden administration to defy what he's doing in terms of energy? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, look, higher energy costs is a massive tax on the American people, especially on the lower end of the income spectrum. You know, first of all, everything that you directly do is going to cost more. Everything you indirectly buy is going to cost more because of higher energy. Sure. And so, but it gets even more interesting. If and you notice, I'm sure you've talked about this on another one of your podcasts that, you know, the, the Republican, I think, control 31 states, but I think their legislatures uh, control more than 40 states. And there's this movement out there now to basically saying if the executive order is non-constitutional or unconstitutional we're going to choose not to to follow it and and then you have the democratic states of like new mexico and colorado and uh pennsylvania that are heavy shale oil natural gas states that are being affected by these crazy laws that are being promulgated by whoever it is in the Biden White House that actually controls the White House. And, and, um, and those, are, those are politically suicidal because it actually will cause a budget crisis in Colorado, but it'll cause maybe the bankruptcy of New Mexico. And, and Pennsylvania, they'll lose the western half of the state, which means they'll just lose Pennsylvania. And so there's some really huge political ramifications. And you don't, don't have to mention West Virginia is... Um, you know, is already Republican except for Manchin. So he has tremendous pressure on him. 
So a lot of this stuff's going to force the Biden administration to retreat. Look, they can't even get the $15 minimum wage increase in, uh, and that's that should be kind of a no-brainer because it's so visible for people, right? Mm-hmm. They can't even get that approved. So wait until they try to start telling people, oh, by the way, your 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 California, your $4 energy is going to be $6, and oh, in, in, in Florida, it's going to be $5. You know, people are just going to be flipping out, and and, and the they're not going to let the, the, the uh, politicians loose on this stuff at all. Wow. And... I got to imagine that even Democrats are going to want to march the other way uh, just to protect their constituents' interests so they can get reelected. Well, look, yeah, the two senators from Arizona are already already uh, uh, <clears throat> pulling back pretty hard. The, the senator from Colorado, the senator from Montana, you know, or, or you know, Joe Manchin. So the Democrats don't have a working majority in the Senate. They they have a political majority, but they don't have a working majority. And if, if Senator Leahy uh, gets ill again and he can't continue on, you know, and then you're looking at um, the House, uh, the Senate going politically Republican. And, and then things will get really interesting. But they're struggling getting stuff done. So... Um, so you know, Biden can only do so much with executive action, and and this and the, the Republican states are saying, um, we don't care, we're we're just not going to follow it, and um, and then they're going to force the Democratic House members in those states, if there are any, you know, they they only have a seven point majority in this in the House, I think. So you lose three or four seats, you're gone, you know, and they're going to force those people to vote against the interest of their own people. You know, if they decide to try to do it the legislative route. So, you know, that's why I was never so worried about this. And look what happened in Georgia. Georgia's now voting to, to absolutely tighten up the, um, the, the, the voter rolls. So you're not going to see another um, Georgia go blue. And Arizona's doing the deep dive, as you know, on the audit, uh, forensic audit. And, and then, you know, then you see that the death of Cuomo, the death of uh, Newsom as political uh, aspirants are gone. You know, so the rising stars of the of the left are, are being eviscerated. And so, you know, from political standpoint, those of us who are freedom loving, you know, we're not losing. OK, all we did was lose the presidency. But did we really lose? You know, Trump is unchained right now. So. And Biden's going to fail medically this year. So that's a, that's a foregone conclusion. You see the Australian presses, every day they're reporting on it. Yeah, I know. You I know, saw that. No, no, no cognitive ability, you know. I, I, I see that. But, they, they, you know, when you got one finger pointing at America, the Australians need to realize you got three pointing back at them because uh, they're allowing foreign interests to dominate their economy. And to the... Well, you know, that's that's true. You know, China's a really interesting story. Last night, uh, the Chinese are because um, I know we want to talk about the IMF. Maybe this will lead into it, but um, the the Chinese now are starting to talk about bubbles bursting, right? Because they're actually going to be the one that's going to get blown up. The United States is going to do to China what it did to Japan. You know, you mean in terms of pre World War Two? No, uh, 1991. Okay, <clears throat> because I see Japan, <clears throat> excuse me, Japan had a um, a food problem pre-World War II 
they had a raw materials problem and the US basically stepped on their neck and uh, you can argue that uh, many of the Japanese felt they had no recourse but to get the US out of Asian politics by bombing Pearl Harbor and I've often wondered do those same conditions operate today for China, or is it different? Uh, you know, it's it's just I think we have the same blueprint. You know, in terms of, you know, America likes to encircle their enemies because we can't be encircled. You know, so you know Japan, we we um, uh, you know we try to ring fence Japan, and yeah, and I agree with you. They they thought maybe they could cripple us in the Pacific and Germany can win the war in Europe, then they would be in a better position to negotiate with us. You know, it just, just, just didn't work out that way. It was doomed. But China is a different animal. And because uh, Japan was an island nation, so they, they could be isolated. You know, China has the back way into Europe through the landmass. And so um, with China, we're going to do to China what we did to Japan in terms of financially. So, you know, just like we broke the uh, the Soviets with the spending on defense, we're going to break the Chinese by just con continuously pushing our dollar down, forcing the Chinese to reciprocate, and then the Chinese, the, the expense of importing with a cheaper yuan is going to break their price advantages. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And and look, we can over this this notion that China is going to overtake the U.S. is 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 poppycock. You know they're already at four hundred percent GDP to debt. So that's a GDP. Can you explain so, that what it, that means to people? Yeah. So you know the United States is at a hundred percent. So we're at we have a thirty trillion dollar GDP. We have thirty trillion in debt. The Chinese have a seventeen trillion dollar GDP, and uh, they're at that 54 trillion in debt. They have no capacity to, to, to borrow anymore. And so if we drive the cost of, of their, their your yuan down, it puts them in a position where they have to pay more for their, um, their raw materials. <clears throat> and then when they do that, and then you hit them with sanctions on the other end, their, their price advantage ends. So the, the Chinese are extremely vulnerable, David, they, they can, um, the United States could simply say to China at any point, we simply cannot accept any of your imports, okay? Not to say we would, but we could. And so, and what, what can they possibly do? The only leverage they have on the United States is, is in rare earths, and that's a two to three year problem, you know, for, for the rest of the world to overcome. That's more of a political, environmental problem than it is a a, a natural earth problem because where earths aren't rare it's just very expensive to um, um, and very environmentally degradation with that so so China is not a threat it, they just bluster around and they scare people because they're big and they scare people because they have a willingness to kill their enemies you know but when you get scared enough just like with Japan you know the American people can be pretty awful too you know, so um, I don't worry about I don't worry about China, and 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 with the IMF, you know, the China China trying to inf, inf, exert influence there, you know, and and I think, you know, they're trying to create a SDR, you know, special drawing rights, mm -hmm. 
when you, you start to dilute the United States dollar, but it's not going to work. We, we can veto that. There's no way the United States is going to cede voluntarily the supremacy of the U.S. dollar. None. Zero. Nada. Why would the IMF make that statement, though, that the dollar's reign as world reserve currency is almost over? Yeah, because they're European-based, and the Europeans are weak. So what they like to do is try to play the two strongs against each other. Okay, and uh, and if we can if we can make the world more multipolar, Europe can, has a seat at the table. But as long as the United States or China is in charge of the world, Europe is irrelevant. Okay, and and I think they they they've been constantly trying to make the United States less relevant. They got their guy in right now who's going to do stupid things for a while, but they they were reeling under Trump. That's true. That's true. Um, let, let's talk about the inevitable, um, because I see the decline in Biden, too. And let me just say this from a humanitarian standpoint. I don't wish that on my worst enemy, and, and that's not what I'm about. But it is inevitable that he's going to be leaving office for all the obvious reasons. And um, when Harris takes over, do you have a perception of how she will be responded to? She is fingernails on the chalkboard, Dave. Okay, she was not even accepted by her own party, and and so there'll be immediate positioning to um, to replace her. And she's not. Uh, I'm sure she's smart enough. Look, nobody gets to be where they are by being stupid. Okay, yeah, so, she's not dumb. No, not, not at all. She's not dumb. So I hate when people say that about people. Well, they don't know what they're doing. No, she knows exactly what she's doing. She just does not. She's in rarefied air, right? She's she's not. She's not Aaron Rodgers of, of presidents, okay? So she barely made it into the NFL, and, and she'll quickly lose her starting position, okay? <laughs> okay. She's not, she just doesn't have the, the American people want to like their president. Joe Biden's likable, okay? He's likable. He puts on a likable phrase. You know, where I grew up in Pennsylvania, guys that talk like him, we all can relate to that, you know, fighting for the little guy. Come on, man. You know, uh, uh, always with that nice smile. You know, he, you know, they don't despise him. You know, they people like Trump because charismatic, fighting for, for the people. Obama, charming. You see what I'm saying? And you get Al Gore, grumpy glump, ugh, who yes. wants him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so she's going to be the same ilk. You know, she's not going to be likable at all. And she has this, she has this inability to, to have her own view. She, she's a chameleon. You know, so she's going she's, she's gonna to be like a shapeshifter. She's going to try to, and you please nobody when you're a shapeshifter. You know, so that's what's going to be her problem. She's, uh, she's not going to be a weak president like Carter was. She's going to be a wrong president. <laughs> And, yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna show immediately because she's gonna react, you know, because she you know she's gonna want to be I am I am woman hear me roar, you know I'm gonna I'm finally in a position here she's gonna be she's gonna listen to the likes of of um, uh, Elizabeth Warren and you know the angry left she she'll be influenced by the angry left and she'll be baited so easily they can get under her skin really easy, you know I mean and just look what. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard did to her. Yes, exactly. You know, just one sentence upended her whole 
her whole um, you know goal to be president. I mean, she backed into this one, but still, yeah. So that's what's going to be interesting. And and um, you know, if Trump was smart, you know, you, you let your enemy destroy himself. Don't don't dive in. You know, and hopefully, hopefully he'll be a little bit more savvy. You know, this time around, he already has us. He's not losing any people who voted for him. Zero people who voted for him are not going to support him. Even if he says, I'm not going to run again, but I want this person in, you know, people will support that. He He's in a very unique position right now. He's very, very, uh, uh, what do you got? He's sympathetic now because people see how the Democrats operate. Yeah, that's true. Well, with regard to, to Harris, um, you kind of alluded to this earlier, so let me draw two things together you said. You talked about Colorado and New Mexico and Arizona's Democratic senators uh, kind of turning on Biden policies. I have the belief that if Harris gets in, because she can't sugarcoat anything, Biden can give you poison with a smile. She can't. She's going to alienate from day one, and I think she's going to divide her own party. Yeah, yeah, and she has that nervous laughter kind of a thing that kind of, kind of creeps you out a little bit, you know. So. Um, Amen. But yes, I, 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 no, I agree with you. You know, uh, look, Biden's been around a long time. I don't despise Biden. I, I actually feel very sorry for him. Yeah, I do. Too. I don't think he wanted to run. I think he was forced into running. I think he thought he was doing his duty. You know, I truly believe he doesn't like Trump. So, you know, he said, I'll suck it up and do it. And, and, uh, but, you know, knowing somebody who's going, who's gone through this, you literally can go from fairly normal to, to incapacitated. I mean, you're talking about one fall, you know what I mean? One bad weekend. And, and next thing you know, it, you, you don't get any of your cognitive abilities back, you know? No, and, and Harris is receiving foreign dignitaries and, they haven't had a, a State of the Union yet. His public appearances are very short and limited. To me, those are all signs that what we're saying here is accurate. Yeah, Richard Grinnell was, was alluding to the fact that, you know, he's not in charge of the, of, of, of the, uh, he's not setting policy in, in the White House. And he said, it's not Kamala. She didn't have, a, she didn't even know he bombed Syria, which I think is a crime. She, as vice president, one step away from the president, she needs to be, you know, um, she needs to be informed of everything. I think the last, I think Obama always kept um, Biden informed. I think uh, Trump always kept, um, um, what's his name from Indiana informed? Um, Pence, yeah. you know, I think Bush kept Cheney informed or Cheney kept Bush informed, you know, and, uh, and but they didn't let, they didn't let up. Uh, Kamala Harris in on it, and I think is a, uh, I think it was a slight that got noticed by the social media. Well, that's terrible because let's just say that something did happen to Biden, whatever it would be, heart attack, stroke, whatever it would be. You know, Harris is in a volatile situation. I mean, here was my major concern when I heard about the bombing. I I, I hearken back to debate number two with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump when Hillary said. Yeah, if I'm elected, I'll create a no-fly zone, meaning we would be shooting down Russian planes. So there's volatility there in Syria between the U.S. and Russia, and you have a vice president one step away who's unaware of what's happening. That's inexcusable. 
No, I, I agree. And, and I'm more concerned about um, Biden not being all the way there during a fast moving crisis. You know, I'm not worried about this was a decision which we were in control of. I'm worried about a decision that we're not in control of. I agree. You know? It, what, so what's gotta, behind the Democrats wanting the nuclear codes? That's become mainstream media news. Yeah, I know. Do you, do you have any, are they saying that we don't trust Joe with the codes? I mean, what's behind that? Yeah, and, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think it's. I think part of it's power trip. Look, you know, Trump couldn't press buttons. Joe can't press buttons. You know, it's there. It's a multi-step process, as you know. But uh, I'm worried about Joe freezing. Mm-hmm. And we can't get him to make a decision. You know what I mean? And you know, and you know, basically a cabinet level, twenty fifth amendment kind of event happening in the middle of a crisis. You know, <laughs> that's what I see happening. Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna try to push a button, okay, and and to see if they can destabilize us. And I could see you catching Joe on a bad day. Right, and he he's frozen into inaction, and there's enough people there that won't be inability to keep it quiet that Joe couldn't make the decision. You know what I mean? And and that uh that, that gets out, and and then when Joe didn't make a decision, and just like with Benghazi, you know how they had to keep falling back, falling back, falling back, something of that nature, of a little bit more intensity, and so you know then I think you'll see uh. An economic break, stock market break, you know, that kind of stuff, if not outright damage to the national interest. That's true. Well, speaking of the national interest, I have a question for you. The Keystone Pipeline is symptomatic, in my opinion, of a bigger agenda to make America energy dependent, make us pay double, triple the price of gas at the pump. What gives Biden the legal right to kill the Keystone Pipeline and destroy other energy? How does he get away with that since a lot of this is private enterprise? Yeah, I think um, I, I think that's going to be litigated. Um, he has the right to the, he has a right to discuss what happens at the border, but he those are contracts that were already um, agreed to. Exactly. Unless there, unless there was new, and I think environmental impact reports were all done. So unless unless there's new legislation, I think he's gonna have they're gonna have to relent on that. But you know, one thing too is if you notice, Christy Nome is um, she's starting to become a lot more outspoken, calling Fauci all in, in any sense of the word a fraud. You know, all they have to do is they can you know Warren Buffett sitting back there saying yeah they got to put the stuff on my trains now. All those states have to do is say uh, we're doing an inspection on those trains. You know, mm-hmm. and you know what? And um, we're going to stop every train and we're going to inspect every rail car every day because that's that's uh, my state executive action. You see what I'm saying? It can go yeah. both ways. Paralyze so, the competition. Know, yeah, but you, that's, what they, that's, what Biden, that's what Buffett did. He got rid of a competitor. They got to look, that stuff, oil is still being shipped. It's being shipped on Buffett's trains now. So I remember one of his trains derailed too. I think somewhere in, uh, in I think Montana or somewhere, um, not soon after they canceled the pipeline the first time. So you know these states are starting to get in a position where you know what we have a lot of power too. 
And I think you and I talked about this last time too. You know, sheriffs and DAs are really the power center of the country. You know, the um, federal government has the purse, but they don't control the street. Yeah, that's that's true. I I talked to Sheriff Mack yesterday, and uh, he's doing conventions all over the country, educating sheriffs on how to resist what he says is federal overreach. And this is the kind of thing that he's talking about, that they're not going to obey certain rules that come in that are unconstitutional. And he said they're even getting buy-in from Democratic sheriffs. So this kind of, in a different venue, verifies what you're saying, that like Arizona senators aren't even uh, on board with a lot of the Biden policies now. And I, like I said, I think I see the fragmentation within. But is there going to be a poop storm, so to speak? Or will there be a transition to calm and tranquility? Do, do you think the, the challenge to Biden policies is going to be highly volatile? You know, I think, I, I think calmness begets chaos. So I, I, think, I think there's going to be some sort of event Personally, I don't think this is good. I don't think this is slow going to be a slow motion, you know, basically blocking, you know, Biden at every corner and, and you know, in a game of strategic stratego. I think it's going to be some sort of swift event that's going to bring something to something to a head, you know, either a Supreme Court announcement or a piece of legislation that fails or massive pushback by the population that's going to cause this. This, this blister to erupt, you know, and, and, and it could be a stock market that's not responding anymore. You know, it's going to be something that's going to be, it's going to be, I don't think, I don't think we're going to drift into the night. <clears throat> no, I don't either. And, and I said this yesterday in an interview I was on, I said, raise the price of gas another dollar a gallon in the next 30 days and see how many Democrats jump off the ship. Yep. And yep, that's yep, yep. and because people are going to vote their own interests, they're going to they're going to stand by what puts food on their table, and history proves that that's the way it goes. Um, with regard to other economic factors, um, how safe are the pensions, the four hundred one ks? I wanted to ask your opinion on that because since we're in a time of volatility, that's I think a natural place you have to look. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think they really blew the opportunity because, you know, they did this controlled stock market rise. And for as high as the stock market has gone, these pension funds are still notoriously under um, underfunded. It's, it boggles my mind how you have a stock market that's doubled in two years and how these, these pension funds can't be flush. You know, if you were going to manipulate the market, you should at least ensure that these stock, these these pension funds are going up at eight and nine percent, right? But they're not, and so we get a stock market break, which we absolutely are going to have one day. They, you can't continue just, you know, jacking the beanstalk this thing, okay? Is that, um, you know, in, in 2021 we'll probably get a secular high like we did in in 2000, okay? Mm-hmm. And and then I think we'll. We're, we're going to have a, like a two-year drift down of 30 to 40-plus percent on the stock market. And it's going to be because of, of higher food and higher energy, you know, checkmating the Fed. And so then you're going to see, you're gonna see uh, I think, a lot of fear because 
we still have 10 years to go on these pensions to get on the other side of the demographic curve where there's more funding coming in than withdrawing. That's why this whole stimulus thing with COVID, this is why COVID was invented, okay? To be able to refund and, and fund these pensions that are run by these states that are all bankrupt. You know, this money, this 1.9 trillion, a lot of it's going into these, uh, to fill the state coffers. You know, so they had to invent something, you know, to uh, to be able to do these extraordinary acts. So, yeah, I, I think pensions are, are, are in big trouble, you know, and, uh, you know, if, if you get a lump sum, get, take your lump sum. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's you're, right. Rather 60, than take the monthly payouts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if you're if you're if you're 62, start now. OK, you have to be like 77 or 79 before it flips away from you. OK. So t take your money early because who knows what you're going to get later. And so that's my view. I, I think people are under it. That's my biggest thing that I sit up, wake up at night. I'm like, if this happens, then they're going to try to start taxing people. You know, states are going to get really uncomfortable places to live that are in Illinois and in New York and in California because the state will just basically steal everybody's assets to fund their government pensions. Well, they're already doing that in New York. We're seeing, I mean, the migration out of New York is incredible. People say that the migration there is all due to restaurants being persecuted and churches being closed and so forth. I don't think that's the majority of it. I think a lot of it, people are seeing the future and they're getting out of these blue cities. Yeah, and, you know, um, Illinois is the same. I think Illinois and New York are, are the two states that are in, in the most trouble. California still has a bit of an, a draw because, you know, you get the sunshine tax, right? People want to live here, you know. It's going to be harder for people to bail out. But if you have a lot of assets, you know, you, you're not going to want the government just to steal them from you, you know. So you'll, you'll, you'll start seeing a more aggressive, aggressive government in terms of, you'll know California is done for when they change Prop 13. How's that? Yeah, very good. That's, re that's really well said. And another thing. You'll know New York is done for when they change rent controls. And I think that's going to happen naturally, aren't they, when the money runs out for stimulus? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a it's not a pre-site. You're going to have to be a pretty good navigator. Wow. Well, how does this affect what you do? Because you have Trade Genius, you know, which plays the market, and you're teaching people how to do that. How, how are these events, uh, these changing events, influencing you? And do you miss Trump yet? Um, you know, I do, but, you know, I'm a realist, so uh, um, I, I think, um, you know, to answer your question on Trump is, I don't care if he's president or kingmaker, he's going to be highly influential in terms of defense of the country. So True. he's still in play as far as I'm concerned. Regarding the market, we're still on our same plan of, you know, we love uranium, we love fertilizer stocks, We those two have pricing power. We love uh, when when... Every time Bitcoin has an up cycle, we're, we're buying the um, what we call the crypto stocks like Mara and Riot. We just had two 10% moves yesterday in them that we traded. So we have things that we can trade. We're, we're getting less and less interest in anything tech because it's extremely overvalued. And we're just biding our time on silver and gold miners because we have to, these balance sheets from the Fed have to start rising for gold and silver to rise with it. And that's our next area. <laughs> then after that, 
we're going to be shorting real estate into the uh, into the interest rates that are going to pop, you know, and um, and and then we will take from there. That'll take us to the end of 2021, and we'll we've already done a year's worth of gains already in the first uh, two months, Dave. It's been pretty spectacular. How have and you so, done that? Can, can you give us an example how you've done that? Yeah. So our system, you know, first of all, we knew from a macro standpoint that with you know the grand solar minimum that's coming is going to affect um, uh, grain prices. The grain prices go up, fertilizer prices go up with it. So we already knew we wanted to be in that space and we just simply use our algorithm to just constantly buy the dips and then when it gets overvalued, hop off. It dips again, we buy it again, we hop off. And so we've been doing that on the fertilizer stock and uranium the same way. Uranium, they, I think there's 58 new nuke plants. There's not enough uranium coming out of the ground and so ergo prices have to rise and it's if it's it's basically recession proof dave you know you're going to fill that plant that new plant and uh and so we've just been buying those and today uh we're talking tuesday uh ccj one of our our uh our trades i think it's up seven percent today let me go look here real quick uh we're talking ccj up 7.4 percent and uh and we've we've been in it you know, this last trade we got in at fifteen sixty. Now it's at seventeen twenty, and um, you know we're still in it. We're just moving our stop up. So we just use our algorithm. It just it's dispassionate. You know, it's not Bob the Guru. It's math, and uh, we just get in the right sectors and we ride the best companies. And and as they start to fall off, we'll start getting into other trades. And and, and that's how we do it. It's really our approach is really simple. It's an algorithm that's been tested for decades, so we know it works, and we just follow it. And you can follow it too. So one thing we do, Dave, is that you know we give you access to my algorithm as your your, your client, so you can trade things I don't trade, okay? Um, and and it, it'll literally tell you buy and sell. And um, and then we have uh, chat rooms like you and I are talking. You can type chat room. We have one room that's. That's voice, you know, if you if you if you're more of a day trader. And then we teach you, we have like, I don't know, 17 classes on on how to use the system that we have. And they're like three, four, five minute vignettes so that you can always go back and reference without trying to find it replaced. And um, so we teach you to fish, we throw you some fish, and we give you fishing equipment. And uh, <laughs> and it's not fishy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not fishy at all. You're, you're, and you're, you're catching sea bass. <clears throat> what about the, the volatility of the market as you described it in our discussion? How, how does that influence what you're doing? We love volatility. Volatility equals opportunity. So when you get these big dips and then we see the money flow coming back in, it's easier to find the dips actually than with a market that's just grinding. When a market's grinding, you never know when it's just going to fall off a cliff. You know what I mean? So but when, it, when it's oscillating, you can see the dips more clearly. So in some senses, the more the volatile the market is, the easier it is for us to make money. Interesting. Um, well, people are going to write to me and ask me if I don't ask this question. So you need to answer it instead of me because I will get the wrong answer. But how do people take advantage of these um these trend curves that aren't given to the average person because your brokers don't want you to know this because they want you to pay them the commission, right? 
Yeah, or they put you in these uh, these lifestyle funds that uh, that are absolutely underperform the market. So, um, look, you need to get control of your life, you know, and uh, and you want a lifelong skill, so you want to trade. But if you go to tradelikeagenius.com or tradegeniusacademy.com, we put together specials, Dave. Every time I come on, I put specials together for your listeners. For this month, uh, we have seven bundles. They're already pre-discounted, 65% off. But the promo code for uh, for this month is going to be March. Pretty pretty savvy marketing there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you take advantage of it by by Saturday, you can get forty five percent off anything that's in the store that's not already pre bundled. Okay. Yeah, I'm making a note here because we're we're going to put this uh, when we run this up on our website. I want to make sure I put this in here too because if I don't, I'm I'm getting a couple hundred emails saying, "How do you do this?" So okay, so the promo code is March, forty-five percent off the um, uh, non-bundled items, which are basically your education items, right? Education, consulting, you know, uh, and uh, if you wanted just to to buy an individual like sector versus you know getting a bundle of services. So you can create your own lifestyle, but with safeguards. Yeah, yeah. So the bundles are always the best deal. Unless you're very specific, particular, what you want. Okay, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, so today is um, Tuesday. Um, I'm assuming this has a shelf life, as it always does. Yeah, the Saturday night. Saturday night. Okay, so here, let me look on my calendar here, and I'll give you that date here. That would be the sixth of March. Yeah, and, and your traditional expiration night. time is midnight. So there we go. Okay, so. Let me repeat this for you. People are saying, yeah, I like the sound of this. And, you know, volatility, there was a lot of it. Let's take advantage. So 45% off the non-bundled education type items, consulting items. And uh, keyword is March. And the offer expires at midnight on the 6th. How'd I do? You did great. Okay. That's because you give me superior marketing terms like March. (laughs) (laughs) But, But... But I, yeah, this this is such a good deal because the reason I like this, and there's two reasons too. One has nothing to do with trade genius; it has to do with the weakened condition of the dollar right now. And there's just better places to put your money and let it work for you. And so I like saying, "Hey, take some of that money out of the bank and put it to work for you. Just don't let it sit there and earn crappy interest." And that's one. And the other thing is, is um, you don't have to have a healthy stock market. To, to be successful, you know how to play the trends within the volatility, and I think that's very appealing in these times. Yeah, there's always a bull market somewhere, and and a lot of people follow the news and get their stock tips that way, or they follow the gurus. And this is just this is simple math. I can go on vacation for a month, and you can use our system and trade. You know that's how reliable it is. You know, I have to ask this question. It's kind of off the economic end. It's more the political end. But with the economy being what it is right now, um, and not all Biden's fault, because he didn't do all the lockdowns. I mean, and that's really where the damage was really done. But I almost think there's going to be a massacre at the midterm election. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look at the um, the, the biggest proponents of the lockdowns are, are getting a lot of pushback already. I think they're going to be absolutely punished. You know, absolutely plenty. And when you get people like Christy Nome says, Fauci said to be 11,000 people in my hospital, that, and the most ever got was 600. 
you can repeat her story everywhere in the country, you know, and there'll be a lot of postmortems on this, and uh, and they still don't get it. They're still not supporting the industries that got destroyed. They're still just splashing money around to their political um, uh, beneficiaries instead of saying, hey, you know, hey, look, I'd be happy if even if I was getting a, a, a check, which I'm not, I'd be happy, I'd be happy to give mine up if I knew the guy that owned the restaurant that I shut down for nine months would get my money. You know, I think most Americans would feel the same way. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, now they have a different attitude because they know the uh, um, they're just flashing the money around. So give me mine. You know. Yeah, I, I see, and I and I respect that view because it says something about the collectivity of America, and that is, I think, that is so important to our continued survival and progress is that we see this as a joint problem. We're all in this together. I'll give you an example, and I'm not bragging, it's just what we do. When my wife and I eat out in these difficult times, waiters and waitresses have been through hell, and we tip them more than the traditional 20%. How much depends on how good they do. But we start out with a baseline and we increase it based on performance. And that's because we know that they need help. And I think that's a very typical attitude. It's not something unique to the Hodges family. I see this across the board in America, that we're actually seeing us care about each other and care about our collective futures. And I think that's going to help us persevere through a lot of these crises. I agree. Look, I don't like to go out to eat. I, I, I love the barbecue, sit at my own house. And, and But my wife told me, she said, hey, uh, once the restaurant's open, we're going out to eat once a week so we can support the local restaurants. So, Absolutely, yeah. Um, so you know, so that's our way. I rather, I rather just sit at home and uh, and relax in my beautiful backyard in Southern <laughs> California. But she said, she said, no, we have an obligation. Yeah, that's right. And and my wife tends to be the conscience behind what I just said too. So it says something about our wives. Well, Bob, this is fantastic. I I want to just repeat this again because, folks, I, I'm telling you right now, um, I get so many inquiries about Trade Genius, so I just want to make sure that you understand what the offer is here. 45% off the non-bundled items until Saturday night, the 6th of March. The, the coupon code for that is MARCH, and it's just letting your money work for you and learning how to do what people who are successful do, and you guys have been wildly successful. And Bob, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise on shut short notice. Really interesting stuff, good stuff, and continued good luck with Trade Genius. Yeah, hey, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.